Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, and welcome to the Into Oblivion series here on the Berman Hour Podcast, where I am talking to the personnel involved in making the new Divided Heaven record with me. And today I am talking to Jessica Guys from the band Guys over in the United Kingdom. Jess sings on the song Creep on the new record. She absolutely kills it. It's great. Creep was just released as a single a few days ago, and it's been an awesome reception. And if you haven't heard it yet, well, you know, just listen to it for Jess's vocal takes alone because they are tremendous. We get into all that and much more in the actual interview. But before we go any further, I just want to say that this podcast is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast. The main way I am asking for your support at this point, at this juncture, is for you to pre-order the new Divided Heaven record. doesn't matter where you are in the world. We'll get it to you. That would be really helpful. If you're in Europe or the United Kingdom, go to Gunner Records. If you're in the United States or Canada, go to AF Records. And to make it simple for everybody, keep it simple, stupid, go to DividedHeaven.com. DividedHeaven.com. You will see links for both of those record labels. And wherever you are in the world, we will get a record or a CD to you. Let's get it. All right. So, Jess, guys, I'd never met her before. I had never talked to her before. I asked her to sing on the record. I asked her through her husband, Frank Turner, who produced the song. And like I said, she fucking slays it. She's going to have a new record coming out later this year. We don't have any details on that yet. But she is doing a Patreon, and you can find the link for her Patreon at the bottom of the podcast description on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. So I encourage you to sign up for her Patreon and check out her music because it's, it's very, very good. And it was really an honor to have her sing on this song. She sings on the song Creep, which is my new favorite song on this record. You know, when you write a batch of songs, it tends to kind of fluctuate which one is your favorite. Right now, Creep is my favorite song. And it is useful because it's the fucking single at the moment. So <laughs> without much further ado, enjoy my conversation with Jess, guys. Let's get it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's, no it's nice to, to meet you or e-meet you. Um, I want to talk a little bit of background. I had no idea that you were an actress. Yeah, well, I'm not really anymore, I guess. That's probably, probably why. <laughs> but no, I was I was for a decade. I trained at um, a really old school drama school um, over here in the UK after I left university. And then it was all, lots of Shakespeare, lots of trad, um, trad, lots of sort of classical work. Um, and I, yeah, I worked in theatre for a decade for the most part. Obviously, it's quite, it's, it's a sort of stoppy starty kind of industry. But yeah, it was mostly theatre. Yeah. Is that still a itch that you need to scratch or have no. you kind of gotten out of your system? Yeah, I, that's exactly how to put it. It's really odd because it was all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid was was music and acting. And essentially, when I was at university, I felt like I had to make a decision. And this is something I now think is is total nonsense. Like, there's no reason why I had to choose between those two. But I was sort of told that I did. I was or led to believe that I did. Um, 
And I was just too terrified to do the songwriting thing at that stage. It's so scary. You know this. Like, it's just so scary to put your own words out. And you don't have the kind of veneer of a character or the other people to keep you safe, like the directors and the other cast members and the the writer um, that you have when you're an actor. So I guess that's why I... Also, I got into drama school, um, which kind of made the decision for me. That was one that... the lottery I was like I couldn't really believe that I got into this incredible place so that kind of made the decision for me um, yeah it's like I'm gonna pay all this money to do this yeah. school and then not actually go exactly. on that yeah, path exactly. yeah. so and it was more just like like getting into the school at Bristol was one of those things that just never thought would happen it was a dream that I never thought would ha- would happen and then and it did you go okay well I guess that's what I'm doing um so so there were always like there were both of them things that I dreamed of doing but for, for various reasons, that acting became the one that I pursued hardest um, for those reasons. Yeah. So yeah. Um, over time, though, and I'm not it's not to say that this isn't true in the music industry for some people, but the, the theatre industry it was just or the acting industry specifically. It's not really theatre. It's, it's acting and being an actor is so um, unempowering. It's so disenfranchising. It's just you can't do anything really. You can't get up and work on your own thing, right? You can't just get up and, like, do a monologue in the mirror. I mean, you can, but, like, it doesn't... You don't have the creation. You're not the creator. Right. Creatively empowering. Exactly, yeah. You're always waiting for someone else to give you a job, and the competition is fierce. And it's just, you know, especially, I think, as a little blonde woman, I had various experiences in in auditions that just over time you know it sort of started to erode my love for it and there was always this music and that was building in the back and I think yeah now it's not it's not that I would say I'll never act again like I feel like I reached a point where I believed that I could do it and it, and I have experiences that that I love in that time I made most of my best friends in that world but um really all I care about now is music like slowly over time they've just like swapped in their significance um, yeah do you find a, a- compatibility or a comparison that is proper between and I hate this fucking term but like singer songwriter yeah and then kind of being on stage potentially by yourself like in terms of the vulnerability yeah so I think that I mean people when I first started doing because obviously I I have been doing this on and off a little bit in uh, behind the scenes for for the 10 years I was acting but then I had this um massive leap forward by virtue of marrying a rock star right that was really helpful <laughs> and I don't pretend anything other than that and we we I always had always sort of shied away from saying oh do you know I really want to do this for real and I was really nervous about trying to do it because I thought people might think that's what I liked about Frank or, or that you know they I was really worried about perception around that around yeah. doing it with him um which is not something really I, I don't know why I worried about it so much no one seems to care um and people I think they would if I was really shit and I think that would be legitimate <laughs> so I felt like it was important for me not to be really shit right right <laughs> but um but eventually Frank was just like look this is what you want to do why why are you letting what you're worried people might say or worried people might think get in the way and um, so we went on tour together and that was like that is a big jump for me um yeah huge so but then to answer your question, when I suddenly found myself on these stages in front of these huge rooms of people, like it was, it was really terrifying in lots of ways, except that 
Frank Turner crowds. I don't know if, um, don't know if you've ever been in one, but they are the nicest people in the world. Yeah, of course. Um, they really are. But nonetheless, it would have been more terrifying if I wasn't already used to standing in front of huge crowds of people, which I was from acting. So, like, I am right. a professional performer. I know how to do that. It's just the song part that's more vulnerable. So it really helps with, like, just the standing there and holding the space and being okay in that space. The acting has really helped with that. Yeah. Yeah. I could have swore mm. that you had music released previously before the year 2020 and 2020 was just a fuck of a year that just kind of yeah, yeah. it's like it existed but it didn't but I went back and kind of looked at it this morning and I was like I, I feel like I've been living with your EP for like a few years but no. that might just be the pandemic messing with your sense of time yeah. I don't know. yeah to be honest we did release something back in 2015 before I met Frank we put um a really rough EP on uh on um, SoundCloud, which was just to okay. get us some gigs. So the, the, we did re- we did record four tracks back then um, and put them up uh, on Sound just on SoundCloud, just as a sort of self-release, just to start gigging, really. So there was something out in the world, but they're very, very rough, and I now kind of want them to just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> delete, um, yeah. Yeah, delete. Yeah, I haven't actually deleted them. I, I really maybe should. Because um, some of those songs, the ones that the that I really love, we've re-recorded for the album that we're putting out hopefully in the in the spring. Um, oh, awesome. yeah. So yeah, there's Bre- not breaking much- news here. Breaking news. Yes, All breaking right. News, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Something I like about your songwriting is you're not afraid to go long. You're not afraid <laughs> of that four and a half, five minute song, even what? over five minutes. Yeah. You're just like, fuck it, I'm going for it. Well, I come from the folk that musically, like my passion is not necessarily what comes out of me when I write, but my passion is folk music, like proper old yeah. school folk music. Um, and, you know, the idea of a 20 minute ballad in folk music is not really an, an issue. So sometimes there are I have really short ones as well like you know on the one side I have brother in arms which is four or five minutes and then these just are the ones released there's also surprise which is like just two minutes um so it's not I just feel like some like with that with brother like I just had to say all the words that came out they were all important and I didn't want to chop it down because that's what the song is um so good no. for you. Yeah. Good for you. I don't worry about things like radio edits yet, but I suppose I might have to at some point. But I still feel like you should write the song for what it is, what what appears and what what happens uh, as a statement is the thing. And then if you have to do an edit of it, so be it. But like, I don't feel like I'm really in control of that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I forgot to mention and inquire about in terms of the on stage as an actor versus on stage as yeah. a musical performer is you know do you find that you prefer i haven't had the pleasure of seeing you and your band perform but i can tell from listening to your music that it could easily translate into you playing solo on stage do you have a preference or uh um, Mm -hmm. one that's more familiar whether you like to play perform solo or you like to have your band behind you? Um, I'm more familiar currently playing solo because uh, it's just much easier to do. All my band are, we we all, uh, most of us met at university, but everybody works in, uh, well, two 
three of us worked in theatre for a really long time in there, Keith is a teacher. So everyone's really busy. So we we rarely get full band shows, like we've done very few of those. Um, so I'm much more familiar solo. We also do duo. I love doing duo shows because a lot of what we do revolves around the two two female vocals. So it's me and my, my co-vocalist, Laura. And I love that. And that's always been really important to the sound. Yeah. So we do duo shows and that's really lovely. Um, but then the one, you know, the couple of band shows we've done are definitely more fun, but they're scarier because there's more variables. Um, so that's not a very succinct answer. I like all of them in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, because I, I think that's that's great because it's it's more honest. There's not as if I have found that the times where I'm on long stretches of solo runs, mm. I miss my band for the camaraderie and just certain nights where I just kind of want the power behind me yeah yeah definitely to make me feel like I'm a, a little bit taller than than I am and then there are nights where you know it's just like 30 days into something with my bandmates and yeah. I just want to like unplug and sing as delicately as I can yeah and people cry so yeah I, I I get I get where you're coming from yeah. for that yeah, it's um, interesting you say that just because I sometimes find I can I can sing I push less when I've got my band behind me, actually. This is something Frank says as well. Like With the band to support you, you can be, you don't have to do as much with your voice. Like, you don't have to prove your point with your voice. So I often find it goes a bit gentler on my voice when the band is there. My voice is pretty gentle anyway, though, so it's like, it's not. Yeah, well, let's get into your voice, because that was something I wanted to specifically ask you about. You um, are kind of like a more delicate vocal delivery type of of like in my mind in Ani DeFranco where it's like yeah you're not afraid to disrupt your own melody regardless of the part of the song you're not afraid to disrupt your own melody to throw in some extra words for the purpose of like True. making the point which is very much an Ani thing yeah um, is is she someone that is she your bag? So do you know what's really funny is I remember doing a show, uh, I did a set somewhere in South East London uh, many, many, many years ago when I was first sort of starting to do it in front of people. And um, I, somebody said to me, I, I did like a 10 song set and um, someone from the audience said to me afterwards, like, oh, you're obviously a massive Anita Franco fan. And I've <laughs> never heard of her. I had never heard of her. Really? I don't count her as an influence. I do see the parallel though, but I don't count her as an influence only because... I, I just didn't know her stuff when I when I came up with this style. The person I'm ripping off is um, is actually not Annie DeFranco. It's someone called Dar Williams, who maybe who okay. does know Annie DeFranco. I mean, I think that Annie is stunningly brilliant. Um, and yes, yeah, she's she has the same priority set, I think, in that the words are the words are key. Um, and I think that's also true of Dar. But that's yeah, it's not actually. Um, it, I hadn't heard of her when I wrote you know the first I mean I have now and I'm in and, and, and the feeds in and I I love that stuff I think she's wonderful but yeah it's it that was more coincidental but we come from the same ballpark of people there are lots of other influences on me that are influences on her or the people other people who she has influenced have influenced me and stuff it's just one of those circumnavigating things that's so interesting now I'm curious who else is in that arena so I guess you'd look at, I mean, there's, there's lots of people, but I, I don't know. I couldn't comment, obviously, on who's influenced Annie. That's, that doesn't feel reasonable. <laughs> but there's somebody that she, someone on her label who I adore, uh, who's Anais Mitchell, who I've loved for years, stunningly brilliant songwriter. Um, 
and uh, I, yeah, so that I, I mean, I sort of, I suppose you're also harking back to the Joni Mitchell eek and the Stevie Nicks kind of people, uh, although Stevie is more melody focused, I suppose, but you know, there are, those are, if I had to list like my three key influences or when I, when I have to do that in order to posit myself at the moment, I kind of say, I've always wanted to be Stevie Nicks. Um, I've always wanted to be Dark Williams and, um, <laughs> and then some, I found the sort of strange hybrid um, in between. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, the catalog that I have been exposed to, mm. I think the countdown is the standout track for oh, me. Oh, really? How cool. Yeah, and it's got an ominous vibe to it. My guess is because it was released in 2020, it was not written during the perils of 2020. That's no, a safe it wasn't, assumption. It certainly wasn't. Yeah. yeah, no. It has like a nice juxtaposition where it, it could, it feels kind of like a love song. Mm-hmm. Like you're longing after someone who's, you're counting down the moments yeah. till they're back with you. But it also, it ha- like I said, it has an ominous vibe. And the lyric that caught me is, all these long years don't matter now. And it's like, that can have a, a negative or, or positive connotation, depending on kind of how you frame the song. But I'm yeah. curious, like, do you try to do that with songs where you have, because you have a lot of words. So my, my conclusion would be that you're trying to hit something really specific. So my, my question is, are you trying to hit something really specific? Or are you still trying to keep it vague enough for the listener that they can come to their own conclusion? I don't try to create something that is specific for the listener. I try to create something that is honest for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if that's in, I prefer, I mean, you you can't control what people will read into your songs. And this is a really Mm -hmm. good instance, because to me, that line is, where the fuck have you been all these long years? It doesn't matter now. So the line is like, where you've been doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've been doing before. It doesn't matter who else we've been with. It doesn't matter. It's actually, this is a song I wrote about Frank when we first met many years ago um and the point and you know we hadn't met each other for 10 years even though he I we were introduced through one of our best friends mutual best friends who I grew up with and who Frank had known for a decade by this point (laughs) but he had never introduced us like actively not introduced us because I think because Frank was a bit of a car crash back then um (laughs) and when we did finally meet um, Frank said, why, to, to my friend Robbie said, why did you never introduce me to Jess before? And Rob's answer was, because I like Jess. So, <laughs> so it's kind of actually, that line is more of a, for me, that's what that's about. It's like, we've both been through, and that's what the, the song is about. Like, we've both sort of been fumbling our way through life trying to find something that works, like someone that we want to spend our life with. But none of that matters anymore, because we've found each other is is what that line means to me so it's not really intended to be on, ominous um no. but i quite like the fact that, that you see and, and it, maybe it is the lens <laughs> of 2020 that, that makes it feel that way but yeah it, it means something very different to me so all right so i guess the lesson learned is in the eyes of jeff berman or the ears <laughs> of jeff berman your catalog so far yeah just reeks of something totally different than the intention but that's the beauty of music right yeah that's the idea and some of them there's definitely what is all what I always hope for is a kind of wry um sense of humor in in the stuff that I write like it's not most I I don't want it to be po-faced very often I like to be sort of um self-differential I guess and like uh well not self-differential but like um I, I 
I like a bit of humour in the stuff that I write and I like it to be quite sort of blunt. But then that can come across in lots of different ways depending on where people are. One of the things that I tried to do with my new record, Oblivion, mm. was to take myself out of my comfort zone, to work with different people. Cliche as it sounds, if I was at a fork in the road and I would have traditionally gone the X way, I'll go yeah. the Y way this time. And part of that was was reaching out to Frank to do production. And one of the songs that I handed to him was this song called Creep that I knew needed a female vocal because I wanted it to have a provocative element to it. Mm. And, and lyrically, the song is about the shitheads that a lot of us have in our record collections who are just total fucking scumbags to, right. to women. Um, and I, I don't want to get into anything litigious, so I won't name names. But <laughs> when I asked uh, Frank, I was like, you know, I, I had Jen from the Bomb Pops on a different song on the record. And I was like, maybe her. And then I thought, wait a minute, like your wife, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I know your wife is a, a singer songwriter and she has kind of a delicate voice. I would like it if like she turned that up to 11 for this mm. song. Is that something you think she'd be interested in? And thank, for, thank you very much for doing that. It's, it's a pleasure to finally thank you face-to-face. Uh, -face. Yeah. Um, to me, that kind of makes the song like completely on another level. Mm. And I, I just want to pick your brain as to kind of what you thought about it when you heard yeah. it and, and what your approach was as you were delivering like it, it feels like it's outside of your wheelhouse which is yeah it is no, no and, and that's interesting because my first reaction was is he sure because has he heard my voice because like i don't <laughs> i don't do rock like do you know what i mean i don't i generally do lilty folk songs that's what i'm good at like i'm good at lilty traditional folk songs or um yeah you know sort of slightly spoken uh stuff and and actually that's partly why we have two vocalists in my band because laura is she's the powerhouse and i um am something different and i like having that um having both possibilities so yeah so i was really intrigued as to i was a bit i, I was nervous to check that you knew what I sounded like before, <laughs> before I did it but obviously you did of course you did so I actually think it sounds brilliant and I was surprised by how brilliant it sounded and that's partly Frank's um the I, I love the song anyway it's just so like it's in my head all the time still um it's, I didn't know what it was about that's interesting I haven't known that until you just said that that that's that, that it's about that sort of concept and that, that is really interesting to me it was interesting to me that you, you felt the need to have, like it had to have a female vocal. Yeah. And it made me go, I wonder what, you know, what actually is the story behind this song? Like, what is, <laughs> I found that really interesting. And then in doing the song, like I did, um, because it's the, the, you know, you have the layered vocals, it actually sounds quite strong. Um, yeah. But, but it is, you know, the delivery, especially in the, the first few lines of the, ver the verse, it's very intimate. Um, which I could do. It was more the like, the bolder, the the longer sustained stuff towards the end that felt a bit like, I feel like I'm trying to do like a rock belt that's something that I just don't have, I just don't do. Um, so we kind of frankly just like, well, when we'll do your voice doing this. And it, and it was about finding, it always is about finding an honesty in the delivery rather than trying to technically do it in a particular way I think so we decided not to try to to like work with the tools that we had I guess but it was it was an interesting thing for me because I don't I haven't sung much on other people's songs I did some 
uh, backing vocals on No Man's Land on Frank's album. But I haven't done like, you know, I haven't done much of this guesting stuff yet. So I really enjoyed it because you do have to call on different parts of your of your voice and your abilities to suit, to fit into someone else's musical world. It's a really interesting challenge. I, I appreciate the candor. It was something like I re- I needed to be really tactful with my request because like I'm asking you to sing the word cherry and sex yeah, in yeah, a yeah. very like provocative way. But then by the time you get to the, the last measure of the verse and then yeah. the, the chorus, which is big, it's like big. I'm pushing you outside of your potential comfort zone. Yeah. So it's one thing if I feel that way, it's another thing to impose that upon someone that I've yeah. never met. Well, it wasn't that. I mean, that seems the thing. Like, if we, we, if I wonder, maybe we should have had a conversation about it, but it seems like we we got to what you were hoping for anyway. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's, I just, I was always a bit like, oh, is, he, is this what he wants? I hope it's okay. Like, I don't know. But um, it seems like you've talked to Frank en- enough about it. And Frank speaks Jess very well. He speaks my language. <laughs> he knows me very well. And he knows all- how to push all the right buttons and not make me feel insecure. So, <laughs> so I think, you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. I mean, anybody who listens to my podcast or knows me knows that I have the ability to tell a five-minute story in a half an hour. I purposely did not want to have a conversation with you because mm-hmm. I didn't want to give you any sort of direction because I I didn't want to give him or you the Im- impression that I was entirely precious about these songs mm-hmm. because I wasn't. I wanted them to like, however they were going to come out on the other side was however it was going to be. It yeah. was like an exercise in, uh, in, you know, letting go of the apple so you could have your hand back that's yeah. that sort of thing you know it's also interesting I think if you're like you said if you're try actively trying to do something different then it's it's quite cool to allow space for the creativity of the other people that you're playing with as well that's that's important I guess isn't it which is what it which is what that did yeah it was fun and we did like I was trying to think how we did it so we did because obviously your both sets of vocals yours and mine are double tracked or even triple tracked I can't remember now there's, there's quite a few of them kicking about so we yeah. a few times and I really love and that's not something I'd really done before that kind of approach and I love it and I'm now like I want to do that on all my songs not all of them like <laughs> there are some there are some songs where I've in my own work and this is this is completely true in my own work I'm like I just the vocal isn't my voice isn't the right thing for this like I've written this song and I want something else and sometimes like it's just learning a technique like that you're like oh no no my voice is perfect it's just about producing it in the right way and, and something that I have gone on to play with a bit more in my own record. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, excellent. Excellent. Kind of like open things up a little bit in terms of what you can do with, with a voice. Like, and not like it's not over processed. It's just there's lots of them. It, yeah. Like, it's really cool. It's not processed at all. It still excellent. sounds truthful, you know? Yeah. It sounds like so, Jess guys yeah. in the red. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. that, which is cool because I hadn't really, I've only ever encountered just guys in the black before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you have a new record coming out. Yes. Well, Did you, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't. I don't want to spill any beans, but no. I, I'm like, I want to know, like. Did you have trouble writing songs during this pandemic or did they come to you pretty naturally? I did write quite a few songs in the pandemic. The reality is because I've been sitting on this career change for a decade, I have so many songs in the back pocket. Oh, okay. So many. Um, that, that, um, and then I wrote some more during the pandemic. When it came to putting this record together, the problem we had was choosing which ones to do. 
and I just wanted to pick the best songs in my catalogue and some of those are 10 years old <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah, some sure. of them are not but it's not this isn't a pandemic record this is not a record that I wrote in the last year or so this is a, this is like a catalogue of songs that I should have done something with years and years ago but I, but I was doing something else and I was too nervous to. and um, so it really feels like this is it's like a child this record to me it's like they've been I've watched it grow for for 10 years like and they're finally there and some of these songs that we've tried to record before but it just didn't work so I didn't know what I was doing and we, we didn't have time or whatever so some of them have been through different incarnations that I don't like well, now we've finally found like the version that I'm happy with um so it's more like yeah it's more sort of like a big a big launch like I feel like it's a debutante do you know what I mean I'm like this I've been growing this for 18 years here we are <laughs> now look at her in a pretty dress um but yeah it's more it's more that it's the bad mitzvah record into the world style yeah so it's not um it wasn't an issue to the writing songs I didn't wasn't in a rush to write songs in the pandemic which is good because I didn't feel like I was in a rush to do anything in the pandemic yeah Um, yeah and and that pressure wouldn't have been any good but you've taken on a patreon uh campaign which you know is those things are awesome and and it's it's a great insight into the careers and the the work style and lifestyle of your favorite artists but from an artist perspective it can be daunting i mean it's it's like a pressure machine onto itself right because it's constant accountability and that sort of thing how are you feeling about it and where does it stand now oh well see i thus far i'm absolutely loving it um and that's great yeah the idea behind the patreon was just it because obviously you know i have to i'm I'm also training as a, a counseling psychologist and i teach extensively so i have to do a lot of a lot of work sort of um balance everything that I do and I wanted to be able to increase the amount of time I I give to music within that balance basically so Patreon is a way of doing that it's a way of like uh essentially not losing income but but also but being able to spend more of my working hours on on music and developing sure um and therefore, it's like so far, what it's doing is just opening up hours in my day uh, and making me feel more, more able to think about music. But I do know what you mean, because it is like, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to not be posting enough. And because it's Patreon, right, because it's paid, you pay in. I can't like just go and check hundreds of other Patreon accounts because you have to pay to join them all and I'd be broke and it would completely defeat the purpose. Um, so I know, obviously, I follow a few people myself, so I've seen what a few other people have done, but I don't know. I've got no idea of like what the standard amount of posting is or what's to be expected. So you do feel a little bit like you're kind of shooting in the dark with it. Um, yeah. But then my patrons, again, they tend to be people I actually like have come across. They're people I've met at shows or, or people okay. I know well, some of them, um, who are just wonderful, supportive music fans and, and, and friends. Um, so I feel like I can talk to them about it. I feel thus far I don't feel that the sort of pressure pressure house thing though we're only one month in so yeah I didn't mean to paint it in a negative light I shouldn't have led you into the, with that question um, I asked one of my friends who does it a lot I was like you know before I set it up I was like what do you think and he was like oh my god in some ways it's the best thing I ever did and otherwise it's the absolute bane of my life like it's both of those things <laughs> I'm ready for that uh, do you do you have one I do not no. I've always found it too daunting 
Yeah, it is yeah. daunting, but yeah. it also it is so it just kind of cuts out the middleman. And you know, one of my one of my lovely patrons, I spoke to about it, and I was like, "Thank you so much for being here." And she said, "You know, actually, this is how I like to support artists. This is my favorite way of doing it because there are really only so many t-shirts that I can buy. Like that, I can't wear all these t-shirts, and I want to support you. And I listen to music on Spotify, so and I, you know." you haven't been able to do shows for a year so this is this is actually my favorite way of doing it um and I think a lot of people think that because it's just so direct you know there's no cuts taken by anybody else really there's obviously Patreon takes a small fee but it's not it's just direct it's just and it's reliable and it gives you a sense of security that very few other things can I think in this industry um yeah so far loving it (laughs) yeah I mean but like are you ever at a point where you're like I need to post something but I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to post a photo of my cat. <laughs> but, I mean, no, so you, what you have to understand is that they're, they're only really there for photos of my cat. That's the only thing I actually cares about. That's the truth. So that that is, I think, maybe why it's not stressful, because I know that when I put up pictures of my cat, they'll be like, yes, this is the content we're paying for, you know? <laughs> Whereas when I do music stuff, I might be like, that's nice, but where's booty? Um, <laughs> So yeah, there's loads of cat content, but that was also part of that. The, they know that in the offer. That's part of what I said when I said it up. Right. Yeah. Then maybe maybe that's the calling. Then is that uh, <laughs> you're like, all right, I, I'm going to stop posting photos of my baby on traditional social media. And yeah. If you want to see if you want to see a really cute five month old chubby baby boy, <laughs> yeah. you got to sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to plug your Patreon and you. uh, properly in the description of this podcast, and I will not mention my fictitious patreon anymore <laughs> but uh but thank you for your time jess it was great no, to meet no. you and thanks so much for being on my record no, I, well, I, uh, thank you for having me on the record i really love the song all the more now i kind of know what it was about because i was really curious i sort of had a picture in my own head this is the thing i built my own story about what that song was about and now you've told me in very loose and uh, politically safe terms what it's actually about i'm like oh that's good. <laughs> it's it's not dissimilar to what I thought, but I had obviously applied it to experience in my own life, and that's what we do, isn't it? No, because the song is powerful in its own right, and it could it will speak to lots of people who've had experiences of that ilk, whether in the music industry or anywhere else. So that the character, I think, is is pervasive, right? There's the sort of person that sadly gets everywhere. So I think it can be very helpful to people to to have a song like that in the in the repertoire but it but they people will necessarily read into it or feel into it what what is helpful to them or what what is useful to them and I think that's really cool so I think you're right you don't want to yeah. be like this is about that asshole <laughs> you don't want to do that I think that's uh, also unfair on the song because the song's brilliant and it would be forever connected with someone else then. oh well thank you yeah I appreciate that all right well I'll let you get back to your afternoon I've got to get back to my morning but you, baby. Uh, I hope I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, cheers. Thank you again to Jess Guys for coming on the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour podcast. Please be sure to go to dividedheaven.com to get your copy of the new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion. It comes out February 4th. We're going to have the records pretty damn close to that date. And uh, we'll be shipping them out worldwide, dividedheaven.com. Also, I put the link in the podcast description for all of Guys' social media, Spotify, and most importantly, Jess's Patreon account as well. 
Last but not least, thanks to our partners in crime at punknews.org for partnering with us on this podcast. So thanks to them, thanks to Jess, thanks to you, and I'll see you all next week. Let's go.